Hey, everybody, and thanks for listening to Starting a Record Label. It's a podcast. You know the rest. This week, we're interviewing Jacques L'Amour. He has a popular podcast called the Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast, where he interviews artists like Motion City Soundtrack, Real Big Fish, Bowling for Soup, Less Than Jake, Stand Atlantic, and more. I really love this podcast. It's kind of helped me get caught up with some of the artists that I kind of missed between college and uh, getting into the work realm and whatnot. So uh, I'll go ahead and link his uh, podcast in the description and go ahead and check that out. In the podcast, uh, we discuss kind of our deep love for pizza and pop punk culture. Uh, we talk about how he gets his big names on the podcast and uh, some of the roadblocks to making a podcast and how important it is to kind of manage your mental health. We also go over current bands, labels, and how they're reacting to the new music industry, and how he's taking advantage of Teespring for limited run merch for Halloween. Before we start, though, uh, please do me a favor and subscribe. It pretty much works on any podcast app. Download it on your phone, listen to it in your browser, doesn't matter. If you got an extra second, leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. And finally, if you're a band that's interested in being on the label, head on over to nottodayrobot.com and drop off your info. But without further ado, Jacques L'Amour of the Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast. So many effing tabs. Why do I have so many tabs? I know. I'm, I, I always uh, notice the same thing when I'm doing something. I'm like, man, I have so many tabs open right now. I yell at my kids. I'm like, don't close the tabs. There's stuff I want to do. <laughs> Anyway, uh, nice to have you on, by the way. Uh, I really enjoy your podcast. I, for me, kind of, there's this big giant, like, area of pop punk that I am almost not familiar with because I went to college in the early 2000s and I started my job out here in L.A. at, like, 2008. So I'm, like, missing a pretty, pretty big chunk of that era because I feel like it kind of also kind of went a slightly into obscurity. And then came back a little bit and then a little bit more, you know, just kind of ebbs and flows. So it's nice to like, I'll go through and be like, okay, I know of this band. Oh, it's nice to hear from them or it's nice to hear about them or the new albums that you, that you're talking about and which ones probably to listen to over other ones. Cause everybody throws out a ton of music. So like, I really appreciate your podcast. <laughs> oh, well, thanks man. No, that means a lot. And, um, so far the only episode I've listened to of yours is the the last one with Brian and uh, I really really enjoyed that one. So, um you you do you do a great job. You you do an interview well, I think. So. <laughs> well, thank you. Um yeah, you're welcome. How did you cuz you've been doing this for like 3 years, right? 4. Um four. Pop Punk and Pizza I've been doing for 4 all around. I've been podcasting for 6 years now. So, I'm I'm obviously I didn't start um when I'm not like a pioneer by any means because podcasting's been around forever, but mm. um, I feel like I got into it um, even before it, it's, I don't know, I guess it just, it's just growing and growing as you've noticed with podcasting, it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, mm -hmm. more and more people are doing it. And especially 2020, I feel like it just like skyrocketed to where everybody's got a podcast, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so. especially because of the not mentioned situation of 2020. <laughs> right, exactly. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's been an interesting ride for, for, uh, for the last four years for, you know, pop punk and pizza. That's how long, uh, this podcast has been around. Um, but I'm sorry, what was, what was your question? Oh, um, hold on a second. And you're going to hear my dog probably bark in the background there. I apologize no for that. 
you do uh you're you work at a radio station right what do you do i do yes um i've i work at a a small uh radio station company in my hometown area of Bourbonnet, illinois um i've been there since i started in broadcasting in 2014 i went to like one of those i call it a trade school where it's like a like a year program um and uh it was called Illinois Center for Broadcasting. Now it's called Illinois Media School. Um, but they just kind of, it, within a year span, they just kind of run you through radio broadcasting, TV broadcasting, you know, and, and then internet. And they just kind of mm-hmm. lump everything together. And so I started to do that. And uh, I was, I did that for a year from 2014 to 2015. And I actually was interning at the radio station I currently work at. I was interning um, when I started school, and I was only interning for a couple months, and a job on air opened up, and I auditioned for it, and they ended up giving it to me, even though I did not sound great at all. (laughs) It sounded horrible. You know, it's like, hey, talking on the radio, how hard can it be? And then it turns out, oh, this is actually a lot harder than I thought. But then, then once you you get your your footing it's like oh okay this this is actually really easy you know mm-hmm. um but uh so yeah that's that's my primary job that's my job that that brings home you know the bacon so to speak um so i when i first started i my first on air show was actually the company i work for has three radio stations there's a an oldie station a country station and then there's a top 40 pop station which is the one i'm currently on um which the call letters are wfav um but i was on the uh the country station originally and it had been a while since i listened to country music when i got that position on the station so you know, I grew up listening to country, but I hadn't really listened to it much in the last 10 to, 10 to 15 years. So it was really interesting diving back, at, kind of like how you were talking about earlier with, you know, um, not having, uh, you weren't really, you've kind of didn't follow pop punk for a while and kind of missed on, you know, some of the bands. It was kind of like the same thing with country. I'm like, who the heck are all these artists? Like, this isn't, <laughs> you know, Alan Jackson and and all the, you know, Tim all the McGraw. stuff from the 90s. Yeah, to, <laughs> right. It's like, I I grew up on, on uh, you know, 80s, George 90s Strait country. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> George, George Strait. And like I said, Alan Jackson, Garth Brooks. Yeah. Tim McGraw, you know, all those. So, um, so that was interesting diving back into that. So I did that for uh, t- two or three years, and then um, a position opened up to do mornings on the pop station. So I uh, I went ahead and I took that, and at the same time, um, and you know, in order to have a full time job, in in most places, and I'm sure you know this, and and pretty much anyone listening knows this. It doesn't matter if it's if it's uh, a music related job or not, you have to wear multiple hats to have mm-hmm. that those full time benefits, right? So, so on the air, I am a morning show host for WFAV, but off the air, I'm the production director who's in charge of getting all the commercials produced that 
you know, our salespeople sell. You know, I mean, obviously we play commercials that have national campaigns attached to them, like McDonald's and things like that. But to all the local businesses that want to advertise, we record all those commercials. So I oversee all that. And I end up recording a lot of commercials myself, too. So it it can be kind of stressful. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's definitely helped my editing skills and my mm-hmm. my production skills in in the podcast world for sure like i feel like i can do things a lot quicker um just because of all my experience yeah. with with that so far so um yeah did so you yeah, know I a hope, lot of editing beforehand <laughs> no no that's fine uh, i was gonna say did you know a lot of editing beforehand because you were in a band i assume you probably did a little bit of self-recording at the very least N- i didn't actually no? um yeah, I wasn't a I wasn't a band before since I was like thirteen until I was twenty five, um, but it was actually our original bassist that got into the the audio world mm. and into the recording world. So we did do some like some demoing and stuff in his home studio at one point early on, and he. He had a studio going for a while, and then he ended up becoming a a, a live audio engineer, and so that's what uh, that's what he does now. Which is aside from from what you were asking, but uh, where where I really when I was in school in uh, 2014, I actually started podcasting before I got that first gig in radio because I was like, well. Because my, my dream was to be on the radio. That's why I was there, you know. That's what I wanted my new career, my new job to be. And I thought, if I'm going to try to get a job on the radio, I need to to gain some kind of experience, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where podcasting came in. And so that's when I really started to spend a lot of time getting familiar with Adobe Audition. And that's what I still use uh, to this day, that's like a, I feel like a lot of broadcasters use Adobe Audition. It's not really like used for music much, but for mm-hmm. for podcasting and, and broadcasting and things like that, um, that's that's all. That's the software that I really know mm-hmm. the best. Like if I looked at Pro Tools, I would cry. <laughs> so, which is and, funny because I think Pro Tools, Pro Tools is like very intuitive. Yeah. <laughs> But right, like, exactly. I would just cry. I would be like, right. I was gonna say for <laughs> you, I'm sure you're you're uh, you're mostly familiar with Pro Tools, or mm. you know, um, now there's Logic and yep. Um, but uh, anyway, so so I really started to really uh, spend a, I spent a lot of time on those early episodes. I did my first podcast was called Bangarang Radio, and. I spent, I can't tell you how many hours editing those first episodes I did, just hours upon hours mm-hmm. of editing, you know, trying different uh, types of compression and EQ and all that stuff, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, so that's where the the editing skills started to, you know, come and play. You got an SM7, so it's kind of nice. I mean, I kind of... A lot of that kind of comes rolls off and sounds just good in general. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's such a versatile mic, and uh, so many people, so many people use it. You know, it's mm-hmm. from from music to broadcasting to you know. I when I first started, is I I bought a 
a Shure SM7B, and um, oh, yeah, I absolutely love it. There's so many mm. great mics out there, though. It's it's overwhelming how many uh, great mics there are. But yeah, this is obviously like a broadcast standard, you know. Yeah. So yeah, the price of those, um, like, because I was going to pick use, one up this year. We the use price the, went up. <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, you're all good. Um, yeah, I noticed. I noticed that um, my if I had the choice, I would upgrade to uh, my mics and get EV uh, RE20s. RE20s. Those are my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, RE20, yeah. And um, I, I, that's what we use at the radio station, and that's another, like, broadcast staple is the sound of that mic. And mm. um, I love that, the sound of the RE20 even more than I do the SM7B, but they're a little more expensive. And, you know, actually, my I don't make <laughs> I don't make enough money to uh, to upgrade at this point, you know? So, but... Yeah. Um, one one day we'll get there. It's, it's slowly but surely kind of thing. So <laughs> it's yeah. all right. Like since I'm an audio engineer, I'm like, okay, well I can get it close to sounding like that. So I'll just have like this one mic I use. It's like a handheld mic. I'm like, okay, cool. And I know no compression, everything well. So I'm like, all right, sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I'm like, I, um, so I really would how, want to pick up one of those. So <laughs> right, right, yeah. Um, so how did you get your start as a audio engineer? Bands, yeah, I was in bands, and then I went to I went to school in uh, a Trinity in Deerfield, and uh, I was originally going to be a teacher, and then like I literally walked into like the class that was like a you know just starting teachers or whatever, and I'm sitting in this class mm-hmm. and I don't want to be a teacher. Why would I want to do this? Why did I choose this? You know, it was kind of like that. You need to go to college for something. Like, well, I'm good at music. You know, and so like I literally yeah. in the middle of it, like got up and left and the lady's like, no, no, this is required. I'm like, I don't want to be a teacher. And she just looks at me weird. She's like, OK. And I like walked out <laughs> like, like it's, it's really weird. So then I got into, you know, doing music stuff more. And uh, I went to Greenville College, which is in like southern Illinois, which like was supposed to be huge for this recording stuff for, you know, my parents want me to go to a Christian school and I kind of wanted to go to one as well. And so, you know, I went to that and it was like. Is awful, <laughs> but like the best thing about it oh, was man. the studios were wide open, so it was garbage work, garbage you know equipment, everything else. But the studios were wide open, so that's all I ever did was stay in the studios and learn. And so like that's how I kind of yeah, I from two thousand and two until two thousand and five, I stayed there and learned all that stuff. And then I had a studio in Valpo for a little while, and then it didn't wasn't working out. And so I was like, hey, Ange, why don't we move to L.A.? And she weirdly was like, yes. So <laughs> we up and moved like said, while she weirdly. was pregnant. Yeah. While she was pregnant oh. and we already had another child and I had no job. Okay. And so I moved to. Uh, <laughs> so no wonder why it was a weird. <laughs> yeah. Y- yes. <laughs> um, so, so do yeah. you current? Are you, I mean, do you just freelance at this point? Yeah. Or. Yeah, um, okay. well, part of the whole story of it is, is like I did freelance. I was a, I went a, I was a runner at the beginning at Conway. I met Jerry Finn there, right? Like two months, three months wow. before he died. Um, and Man, that was that's really, crazy. it was a really cool thing. And he was super nice, dude. I always tell the stupid story to where I like, you know, a runner is supposed to be seen, not seen, not heard. And, uh, we had like Britney Spears mm-hmm. and all these giant people there. And he would not let you wash your dishes He because he used to work there. And that's kind of why I chose it. Uh-huh. 
and uh, he would he was like, no, dude, I got it. Don't worry about it. I used to do your, do your job and you know whatever, take a load off. And I was like, okay, you know, trying to be nice. And he, you know, he would do all that kind of stuff. And then he just he asked some people my name, and he came up and just started shooting the crap with me one day, like as I'm like cleaning something up, I'm like hey. And he did he would do that, and it was like the coolest thing ever. So I mean, it was kind of nice to meet him. Then I. You know, moved on to other studios and was assistants, runner, runners, assistants, became like engineer, main engineer at a studio, did a lot of Disney stuff, like a lot of kids stuff. <laughs> and Kids uh, bop. <laughs> it was, well, it was like for the TV shows. No, I know. So, I, was, I was just teasing. That was just the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> to be honest, that wouldn't have been bad, but the TV shows are mainly like vocals, which is probably the best thing for me because I kind of sucked at cutting vocals. Oh, okay. Like, I took my time, and now mm-hmm. I'm like freaking bam, 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 bam. Let's go. Let's make sure we got it while everybody's you know feeling it. But yeah, I kind of got into it that way, and eventually went freelance because you made way more money. In fact, the last studio I was at didn't like withheld my money for like six months. I was they got so far behind in paying me, and so I left, and uh, so I was doing freelance, which just made way more money. But eventually, it just got so annoying working with. Uh, passion projects basically or like YouTube kids that were not very good at all like some of them were good but like a lot of them were just like kids had parents that had could bankroll you know so that just mm-hmm, got annoying sure. to me and I wanted to start working with good music again so I kind of quit it all this last year started this podcast I'm like hey I'm going to start a record label this year and I want to talk to as much people in the industry as possible kind of work maybe with like an indie rock slash pop punk vibe and just move forward that way. So that's my sh- spiel of story. But <laughs> awesome, man! That's awesome. Good for you. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's hard. St- I you know, I don't have to tell you. It's hard starting over. So yeah. you know, good for you at at diving in and and going after. Probably, I I assume it's probably something you've always wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, I had the the name of the label for a long time and kind of reconsidered it up to the, till this year to rename it something else, but. Yeah, it's always something that was on the back burner, and I was like, you know, I'm just going to do it now. And it just weirdly fell in 2020 in this craziness. <laughs> right, you're just like, well, I, I already decided I was going to do this. I'll just <laughs> just keep going. So yeah. that's awesome, man. I mean, I thought I'd be out, like, watching, like, you know, I don't, I thought I'd already have a band side by September, because I started it in January. And mm-hmm. obviously you can't get out and see bands, bands and artists, I think not until recently, and you tell me if I'm wrong, uh, that artists didn't really catch on to the whole online aspect of it. Um, you mean like playing shows online, like the live streams or? Or any of the online aspects of it. I mean, doing videos. I was, you know, I've been doing some research on looking at some of the you know larger pop punk labels. And mm-hmm. I feel like they don't even put out, like they'll put out stuff every week that's like, you know, an image of the new song, you know, uh, art artwork or whatever and then the song behind it and mm-hmm. that's what they'll put out on their like their youtube or you know facebook or anything else and there's just no there's no content yeah i remember that's what you and brian were talking about on the last episode about bands need to have content mm-hmm. and yeah i guess i i haven't seen there are some bands that i see that are good with are good with content but there's not a a ton um it's hard to uh i don't know it's something hard to do because you got to balance all these things already right uh mm-hmm. between writing music um managing you know your merch i mean the the list 
just goes on and on and on for a for a DIY band, or even mm-hmm. if you're uh, DIY and signed to a, a small label, like you're still pretty much doing everything yourself, right? Um, but uh, one band that comes to mind in Chicago um, that I think is good at content, and I feel like they've been good at this for a while, is a band called Marina City. Uh, they seem to be very good at putting out constant content online. In fact, like they not. I think it was this year they started it. They started a podcast specifically for their band. Um, mm-hmm. I I have seen some other bands do that too. Yeah. Um, and uh, that, you know, that's a great idea. Um, you know, why not just bring the, the you know, cut the middleman, bring the content right right to that, uh, that fan, you know, yeah. or, or whoever it is you're trying to connect with, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, it's, um, as far as labels with their content, um, yeah, I mean they they obviously put out tons of music videos. I see that. That's pretty. Uh, seems to be still a pretty important thing now mm-hmm. more than ever. But beside from that, I'm not sure. I mean, like this week I, specifically, I I'm not gonna really, I'm not gonna name them all, but it was basically like the big, no, the big current four. Even if you go of the pop punk realm, like you go there and you're like. Okay, at least you're putting something out. That's great. And mm-hmm. then I looked for like, okay, are the artists doing anything on their like YouTube's or Facebook? And like maybe they might put out they might have like a, a good thing going on their Instagram or something. But like everything mm-hmm. else is just not. I mean, you seem to be doing pretty well even with just your podcast. Like I see you do a really good job. Like you were shooting stuff to me, like, hey, I'm I'm gonna be on Josh's podcast next week. Like just creating content that's like Hey, I'm doing this or that. I'm on this other podcast, or I'm gonna have these artists, and you're doing stuff. At least one or two posts a day. You're tagging the people that should be tagged. You're, you created, you know, limited run uh, merch. I mean, to be honest, your podcast is doing a lot better than most of the bands that I've been looking at. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's extremely flattering. Um, I don't know about that, but thank you. I'm yeah, I'm trying. You know, uh, since. It's it's been about a month, I think it's been a month since I I started doing the podcast twice, you know, putting out two episodes twice a week. So, um, so since I'm doing two episodes, it just gives more reason to be posting about what's coming up and you know teasing an episode or uh, the 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 uh, limited edition Halloween merch was just like. That was just like an idea that just hit me and kind of last minute too, because it, I think I got the idea must've been Monday or Tuesday, I think. And, you know, we're already in Halloween. Like it's something I should have thought of already, but mm-hmm. I thought, oh, I'm going to try this, you know, cause, um, cause right now that's really like my only source of income for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I was like, okay, how can I get, people interested in you know in merch and it's like well you need to have something that's that's not going to be there that long right and so i thought well gosh so many people are just especially in the the punk genre are just so infatuated with halloween so i thought you know i'll, I'll throw together some you know some halloween merch and, and see if anyone bites you know so um so yeah thank you thank you for that um i i really i really appreciate that i I try to, uh, at least a day or two before a new episode is coming out, I usually try to have a graphic to post. Mm-hmm. Um, 
saying, hey, this is coming out on such and such a date with this person. And then, yeah, if I'm going to be on somebody's podcast, too, I mean, it's it's an honor to be asked to be, you know, here (laughs) on your podcast. I mean, anytime someone asks me to be on their podcast, it's it it never uh, gets old. It's always just like a a huge, um, huge honor to, you know, be be asked of that, you know, so. Yeah, um, so th- I mean, it's so always fun to just that. talk about crap, especially if it's something you like. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. And and that's, uh, you know, that's the best thing. If, if whatever it is that you're going to do, whether you're starting a podcast or you're starting a band or whatever, you want to go for the thing you're most passionate about, right? So that's why I, I ditched the other podcast that I was doing because I was like, I love pop punk and I'm obsessed with pizza, I'm like, this is perfect, you know? So that's <laughs> that's why I was like, pop punk and pizza, boom, there it is. So, and uh, yeah. it's been going well, so. Good deal. One of the things before I started the record label, like, obviously, you know, when I was saying, like, I was, I was getting annoyed with all the, you know, the music that I basically had to chop up piece by piece by piece mm-hmm. uh, to get a decent vocal. Um, I was like, you know what? I'm really good at making deep dish pizza. We should have a deep dish pizza place out here in California because 99% of pizza in, in Los Angeles sucks, like really bad. Coming from like outside Chicago, they were like, if you're not a good pizza, you don't survive. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, you know all about good pizza because you're originally from, you know, almost any place in the Midwest has great pizza, I feel like. I agree. You know? You could walk into like just some crappy, like, you know, little town and you'd be like, oh, there's a pizza place and it's good. It's just right. It just is. I don't know yeah. what the deal is. We're just we just know how to do the pizza. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But uh, Los but yeah, Angeles heard does that. not. Right. That's what I've heard. I I keep uh, people keep telling me that. I mean, I have had some pizza that wasn't too bad out in California. It wasn't in Los Angeles. Mm. Um, last time I was in California was in Carlsbad, which is near mm. like yeah. San Diego. And I can't remember the name of the pizza place, but it wasn't too bad. But that was like 10 mm. years ago. So, <laughs> yeah, um, there are good ones. Like, you, but, you get to know the good ones, but like of the percentage wise, I remember like when I lived in Valpo one day when I was like, you know, a teenager, I was like, how many pizza places are here? And I opened up the, like, the yellow pages. I count like 20 pizza places. It wasn't just Valpo. And I'm like, holy crap. And they're all, they're all right. But like out here, gosh, there's pizza places everywhere. They're just not that great. You said you have an idea for a deep dish pizza place? Oh, no, like that's before uh, I kind of like either go this way or that way kind of deal. Like I can't, you know, be spending all my time, you know, trying to do both of them. So I was like, you know, I want to try to maybe do a a deep dish pizza place out here. And I was going to start it as like a Mm -hmm. like a farmer's market thing because we have a lot of farmer's markets out here. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. Every day of the year. And uh, the amount of crap I had to kind of jump through in the hoops I, I looked up and I had to deal with was just it was insane. Sure. It, even just starting the label, uh, it was insane. Like how much stuff I had to worry about um, in the areas that I have that I'm technically working in. It's it's ridiculous. The amount yeah. of money I have to pay. <laughs> I've always wondered, uh, you know, because I feel like almost everyone in the music industry has wanted to start a label of their own at one point or another. And... Uh, so that's something I've definitely, there was a point where I was like, I want to start a record label. Sometimes I still think about it once in a while, and I'm like, what is involved with that? You know, because I, <laughs> I don't know a ton about it, but I imagine, yeah, there's got to be 
Um, you know, if you're going to do it right, that is, there's there has to be so much, so many hoops and things you have to research and and go through. Well, just starting the LLC, I know not every single state's like that, uh, and I'm hoping to maybe move back to like outside Chicago to continue it in the future. But for right now, we're here. Uh, but just in Los Angeles to have the LLC, it's eight hundred dollars a year. Wow. Yeah, that's so, a lot. I mean, that's you know, that's almost like a vinyl pressing. So. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, there's your, <laughs> there's your uh, pressing right there, mm-hmm. man. Well, I, uh, I'm sure you'll, you'll get it, all, you know, figured <laughs> out. Yeah, I, I'm saving up money every week. I'm working hard. I'm actually doing stuff on the weekends, like this, just you know, Uber Eats or something else, and mm-hmm. it's you know, it's all going there, and it's you know, it's looking good right now. So I'm, I'm kind of happy good. about it. Good, good. I'm glad but, to hear you, that. Uh, what are some like road? bumps that you might have run into doing the podcast oh man um oh hold on sorry <laughs> screw you dad no. can we talk to your dad on the podcast <laughs> you Hi, don't dad? want to hello mr smith oh. <laughs> that just sounds so official mr smith it's kind of <laughs> right. like that that old uh, movie with um uh but 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 why am i gonna uh james uh, the matrix stewart <laughs> No, I was thinking oh, James yeah. Stewart. Um, Mr. Smith goes, goes to, to Washington. Washington. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> a good movie. Um, it is a good movie. It's a <laughs> it's a classic movie. Um, roadblocks. Um, I feel like that. This is going to sound so cheesy and so corny because I feel like everyone and their mom says this about themselves, um, but it's true. And I guess that just means we're all going through the same or similar things, and we just. We don't realize it until we talk about it, but my mental health um, mm-hmm. has probably been the biggest roadblock for me as far as doing this podcast. Um, there have been a lot of times, there there were periods where I wasn't, like I would take off the podcast and I wouldn't be putting out new episodes and that might go on for, you know, that went on for, you know, months at a time here and there. The first time I took a break was actually for when my son was born, so that was obviously different. But um, all the other uh, time I took off was because of my mental health. And so just like being able to, to get over yourself and find the best way to manage your mental health, no matter what it is you're trying to accomplish, whether it's a podcast or a band or whatever like that to me like yourself is the biggest roadblock it's not your competition you know mm-hmm. it's literally yourself <laughs> and uh i feel like i i'm feeling better than i ever have and the things have have never been better with you know the podcast and and just you know life all around um and so I, I feel that that was the, the biggest roadblock. Because, like, you know, as we said, I've been doing this for four years, and I'm only at episode 117. And so mm. if I was actually, if I hadn't taken all that time off, I would have been way, yeah. you know, I would have been way past that. Um, yeah. But uh, but that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Everyone has a different journey. Everyone has a different path. You know, that's totally cool. Um, but yeah, I would say that's, that, that was the, that has been the biggest roadblock for me, uh, doing this podcast is, is my mental health and finding a way to manage that so that, 
I could function properly to be able to do the podcast continually on a regular basis. And I'm grateful that I've been able to do that and, and thankful to the people that have supported me um, from people that just listen to the podcast, to my friends, to my family. Um, you know, with, without having that, that support system, I wouldn't be able to, to, to keep going and, and, and stay as busy with it. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. That would be uh, that would be my answer. <laughs> cool, cool. I'm sorry. It's so like I'm no. still not used to being interviewed myself. It's still so strange to me. <laughs> like I actually, you know, I I'm so used to being on the on the other side of the fence that I forget what it's like to be on this side of the fence. You know, so <laughs> no worries. How does because uh, you've had quite a few like awesome. Because I'll I'd like scroll through. I tried to start from the beginning at the beginning, and I'm like, all right, well, I'll go through from the beginning to the mm-hmm. end, and then I'll be like, oh, whoa, no, oh, he talked to Vinny. Oh, he talked to. This. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna jump in there and <laughs> listen to those because you know I'm very interested in that. So uh, how uh, right. how hard is it to get a hold of some of these people? Some um, some people are hard to get a hold of, um, and you you know you have to try multiple times. Some. You, you the sometimes the ones you think that are going to be really hard to get a hold of don't end up being hard at all mm-hmm. um and sometimes you it just doesn't happen and that's fine yeah. you know um and it's i was just talking about this actually on the podcast about how important it is to you know con- continue to to reach out to whoever it is that you're trying to talk to or or get someone's attention you know and obviously mm-hmm you know, keep reaching out in a proper way, not like a way where you're like a, a freaking badgering and like, okay, <laughs> you know, the, and the person's going to be like, oh yeah, that dude's crazy. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, like what, let's say, let's say there's, you know, let's say it's five years from now, your record label's doing really well and, you know, you've get tons of submissions, but there's this one band that you have not replied to and, you know, they sent you, uh, an email like two weeks ago, but you still haven't gotten back to them. And they're thinking, oh, well, he just must not be interested at all. But the fact is, you're probably like super swamped and super busy, right? Mm, yeah. So really, it's a matter of go go ahead and, and check back in with that person to see if they even got your your email or your phone call or whatever it is. And just, just like a follow-up, be like, hey, uh, just checking in to see if you were able to consider my last email or, or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So there, there have been some of the guests I've had on the podcast. I've, I've had to. Uh, speaking of, you mentioned Vinny of, uh, of formerly of Less Than Jake. Now, mm-hmm. when I, I first had Less Than Jake on the podcast, it was I just interviewed Chris, and this was back in eight. No, 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 seventeen, or was it eighteen? I think it was eighteen. In the winter of 18, um, he was a person I think I had to reach out to more than um, more than once, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, the, you know, everyone's busy. Uh, yeah. and, well, he's and got that podcasts does... and stuff too, yeah. Well, that's right. pretty recent, but yeah. Right, exactly. And, and so sometimes uh, things just, you just get lost in the mix. Um, you know, and there's been other um, episodes like that. Um, and you know, I, I do get asked that question, well, how do you, how do you get in contact with these people? You know? And, and honestly, I, I don't want to 
there's really no there's no secret to the matter like i'm not like yeah. withholding information it's it's really the, the first thing i always do is i look up to see who their publicist is and if mm. they've got a contact for a publicist that's the first person that i reach out to and a lot of the times that is the most ends up being the most successful because um, usually the publicist gets right back to me right away because obviously that's their job. Exactly. They're like, oh, this could be something that makes me look good because <laughs> right. I do my job. Right, exactly. They they <laughs> want to continue to get paid. So if someone f- presents them with something cool, they're like, oh, I want to, yeah, I want to present this to my artist and, mm-hmm. you know, be like, hey, there's this guy who wants to talk to you. Um so, you know, that's that's honestly what I do with, with these artists. I, I usually contact their publicist. I, I try not to message them through social media to try to book something. There have been times that I've done that, mm-hmm. um, but very, very few and far between. Um, I, I try to stay away from that. And, and if the that person doesn't have... A publicist then from that point i'll either I'll, I'll try to find some other form of an email address whether it's um uh, a manager or it's like mm-hmm. a general email address or whatever it is i just try to get a hold of that and and go from there but most of the time the bigger artists they have publicists so i i always start always start there so yeah that's that's usually how it it ends up working I've tried to get a few like decently sized people and like they get back either real quick and the people that aren't don't at all. <laughs> there are the people yeah. that are big. It's I feel like, uh, cause I used to have, I've had like three podcasts now. Um, okay. one was I called a band's life to where I was like, Hey, I'll just ask, I'm going to just have like local bands on and just talk to them. And that was the worst. Like talking to any, getting a hold of any local bands. Awful. Or even bands that were just smaller, like across the country. What or was like that. what was the what was the issue with that? They just wouldn't reply. Like really? I would get, I'd shoot them like an email, like "Hey, I'm having this podcast" or whatever, and uh, nothing. And then every once in a while, I'd be like, uh, I'd wait like a week or so, and then I'd shoot them like a uh, like a Twitter something or mm-hmm. Facebook something like that, and hey, whatever. And sometimes you could see that they read it or looked at it, and they just won't respond. And I'm like, okay, I mean, this is kind of like. I'm not a huge podcast, but this is kind of like free advertising, like talk. Yeah, to for that's 30 really minutes. surprising. And content, mm-hmm. to be honest, right. like yeah, content as well. Yeah, I've, I've mm-hmm. rarely come across that with um, bands that aren't as well known or, or local bands here in Chicago or wherever that local band is in that scene. Um, mm-hmm. Even when I was starting out, I, I mean, there there might have been times where it was hard to get a hold of that person i think yeah probably in the beginning i guess there were some instances like that but mostly Mm. they were like super stoked they they were really excited and they're like yeah we want to do this you know so Mm. um but yeah i i do know what you're talking about though (laughs) um and it just depends i mean obviously um the right local band you're not going to have that issue with because they've got they've got their ducks in a row they're going to be like oh this guy's got a podcast. Let's do it. You know, I mean, if if they've got all their ducks in a row, they'll be like, "Yeah, um, how's you know? Let me look at my schedule. Um, yeah, does Sunday work for you at at two o'clock? I mean, you know, so they'll 
they'll have a little more organization, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I have friends of Larry Livermore on my my Facebook, and I added him on Facebook, and he was like, boom, to add me back. And I was like, I'm just going to ask him real quick. And I was like, hey, would you be interested in being on the podcast? He's like, oh, yeah, sure. Just give me an an email. We'll set this up. Like That's awesome. And I'm like, I'm like scared, scared at the beginning. <laughs> Holy crap! Yeah, I no. didn't think that was gonna happen. <laughs> right, you you would, and I mean, he would. He's like a perfect guy to have on your podcast, considering his background. Um, exactly. Yeah, I just noticed he was on some other podcasts recently, and I I haven't listened to it yet, or maybe it hasn't been released yet. Um, but uh, he's always someone I've I've always enjoyed uh, mm-hmm. hearing him talk, um, f- whether it was you know, like a podcast interview or was watching him on some documentary. Um, Probably the last thing I watched him on was the documentary on East Bay punk rock uh, that Green Day put out. Um, And that was really good. I don't know. Did you see that? I did not. Actually, when I was uh, doing a little bit of research on him the other day, I saw that he had that. uh, And I was like, dude, I got to pick this up. So I got that ordered. Uh, I just watched, was it uh, the Pick It Up, the Ska one, not too long ago? Oh, yes. That one is so good. Mm-hmm. Man, I died laughing when I when I saw that for the first time. There's just so many <laughs> funny moments, and obviously very serious moments, too. But that was that was a really good documentary. And, and the East Bay Punk one, super mm-hmm. good as well. Both of those um, I highly suggest if anyone's looking for uh, music documentaries to check out. Yeah. Uh, those are Those are both great. Very yeah. well done. Have you had Jason Zyman on yours yet? He does uh, unoriginal uh, vinyl. I had him on probably a month or so ago, maybe two months ago. Uh, and he does like all these re-releases of like pop punk stuff. Uh, oh, really? A while back. So, no. Like, I, and I, I he don't actually know just put him. out stuff with the, the newest Slick Shoes album they put oh, out. Oh, okay. I still uh, have just yet to vinyl. even. I still have to listen to that album, mm-hmm. actually. Now that you he was a part of the pick it up thing too, though. Like, so he's oh, his... gotcha. Okay, Sorry, I don't. That's why no, I no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, that would make sense. I don't really know like the people behind it, uh, their names. Mm. Um, but uh, I've interviewed some of the bands, obviously, that are mm. a part of that documentary. But as far as anyone that was in the production or like producing that uh, that '90s ska documentary, I I, mm. uh, I haven't talked to anybody now. Um, but that would be uh, that would be fun though. For sure. <laughs> I thought about it when it was first happening, uh, when they were uh, doing like the Kickstarter for it. But mm-hmm. uh, I just never, it just never happened, unfortunately. But um, <laughs> like, here, you should have this one. I'll be your, you know, <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. should, you should do this. No. <laughs> uh, for your merch stuff, like uh, you're using Teespring and I have not, most, most of the time people are like, kind of try to stray away from that. Is that something that is working well? Or have you thought about maybe doing like a smaller run from home like area? Well, here's the thing. When I first had merch made uh, probably like three years ago, I used I used a local printer, you know, in mm. Chicago, a local screen printer, which is usually what I'm all about. But right now I'm not in a financial place where I can actually pay to get merch made and then sit on it and try to sell it so that's i I ended up discovering the teespring the teespring uh website you know i'm i'm always trying to look up different 
uh, just learn new things about podcasting and obviously what others are doing. Mm -hmm. And I was doing some reading through articles one day and I stumbled across Teespring and I thought, oh, okay, this is, this is really cool. Um, obviously like I feel it's, it's a, uh, it's a double-edged sword for me. Um, I don't know if that's the right term, but I, I like it and I don't Mm -hmm. like it at the same time, just because one, I'm not supporting a local printer, you know? Yeah. I'm supporting a, a small local business. Um, but then I guess the, the the green side is I don't have to spend money getting, you know, merch printed and I can have all these different options. It's like, it's a good and a bad thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and I don't have to worry about sending out any orders or anything like that either because I'm already so busy sending out emails or answering emails, editing uh, you know, all that stuff, uh, do it, you know, doing interviews, it, it's, um, it's, it's hard to, okay, now I got to send out merch orders. Like I don't have time for that too. So it's, so it, it's, it sucks. Cause I feel bad. Um, but you shouldn't feel bad. <laughs> I don't know. I just, because like I said, it's, it, I'm going with, you know, I'm not going with a, 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 a local, business you know I, I i do firmly support local businesses and the fact that i'm not doing that currently with my merch i hope i get if i get in a b- better position one day i will definitely that'll be one of the first things i change mm. is you know um having uh merch printed by a, a local person or a small business somewhere and yeah. you know and i hope i get to that point someday but currently i just i can't i can't afford afford that you know i just Um, i know that uh percentage wise it's just like a whole nother ball game like i I know it's a lot harder to deal with you gotta ship it yourself and everything else but like when you're kind of getting it print uh, at least at decent runs uh on your like with a local printer you're gonna be doing a lot more money compared to teespring but i understand 100 percent like for one you don't have to do it for two you don't have to ship it you know and then you could have all these other options that totally makes sense especially like at the beginning of a lot of stuff but I'll, i've noticed that some larger like youtube channels that used to do teespring because they used to have it built in are like no we're just gonna do it ourselves like this makes way mm-hmm. more sense uh, yeah. i don't know if you ever watch uh, linus tech tips which is like i'm kind of like a huge fan of them just because of their how they've kind of attacked this whole content kind of thing what they do and they moved away completely from that. So they do all their stuff in home in their hometown. Yeah, I um obviously the the plus side of of going directly to the printer is your profit margin is bigger. Exactly. You know, um like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I still like I'm I'm kind of uh pinching pennies over here for myself. Um because I, you know, I own a house now, and and uh, you know, I've got a son, and just all these bills. You know, I'm a single dad. <laughs> um, I'm not making. You know, my podcast isn't making money right now. Um, mm. You know, I'm not. Uh, I'm not getting rich off of it or anything like that at this point. Have you tried to get dream. any sponsors? Um, not recently, but I'm currently working on on uh, trying to roll out some kind of idea to try to you know reel in some sponsors um because it it is it truly is my my dream to be able to 
to actually make uh, a living, you know, off of this and maybe be able to start doing radio part-time and then I can do this part-time as well and I can make an income off of it. Because I obviously I enjoy doing this so much more because I'm my own boss and I, pop punk is the music I love. And I love, you know, talking to people like you and, and talking to all, you know, all kinds of different bands or people associated with the scene. And it's it's just truly a, a something I love to do. So hopefully that'll happen one day. But yeah, I'm working working on trying to roll out a, a business plan on that. Not sure how soon. That's one of those things that's like a slow progress. Like I'm working on a new website too. And that's just been, you know, whenever I have some spare time, I... I'll work on it, you know. Same. I started, I just bought uh, a new WordPress theme a while ago, like the safest one because WordPress has its problems. And, right. <laughs> and so I'm like, like, all right, building this all stuff on my own, just piecing it together. But yeah, I get it. Uh, for this podcast, I mean, it would seem to be doing pre- pretty decent. I, I really like the curve of like how it kind of started um, and hope it continues. So I'm like hoping to look in the future, like, all right, where can we get some, maybe some sponsors from? Right. Um, feedback yeah. into the label somehow. <laughs> right, exactly. And it, and it's really hard because so many other people are are trying to do the, you know, the same thing and um, yeah. but there's so many people in the world that you know, it it's got to got to be accomplished somehow, you know. Mm-hmm. So. so, to get to pop punk cuz we haven't even freaking talked about it at all. Uh, <laughs> what are some of your favorite <clears throat> bands within the last like 4 or 5 years, like newer artists? Well, one of my favorites is uh, Stand Atlantic. Um, mm. I just interviewed Bonnie, their lead vocalist, and they're definitely one of my my favorite bands to you know come out of the scene in the last four years or so. Mm-hmm. I really like Sleep on It from Chicago. Their most recent record was just so good. Um, and I liked them before that, of course. I, you know, I supported them before. Excuse me. Oh, wow. I'm burping over here. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I supported uh, them before they started to, uh, you know, gain a name for themselves. And um, I really think their record, Pride and Disaster, probably deserves more credit um, just because I can't tell you how many times I just put that record on repeat mm-hmm. when, it, when it came out. Uh, a year ago, I think it's been already, or about a year ago. So, um, I'm trying to think of who else. Um, it, they're not really they they've been around longer than this, but I really, in the last couple of years, started to get more into Seaway. I mm-hmm. really like them. Um, of course, Neck Deep, but they've been around longer than the last four years. But th- these are bands that I just kind of started to i would say give you know like give a chance kind of thing mm-hmm. you know because yeah, have you listened to will med at all yes uh i actually have they were supposed to i was actually supposed to record a po- podcast with them not too long ago i ended up having to reschedule and now we're still in the process of rescheduling but uh mm. but yeah those guys are are great um i'm glad you brought them up yeah definitely um a band you know, to start up in the in the last four years that that I really like. I just know that they're kind of sure. in your area, which is kind of funny because yes. they're not even. I don't. I don't even think they're from Wilmette, but they're called Wilmette. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I know they're in that 
vicinity though like the mm-hmm. the northern part of like chicago suburbs whatever you want to call it um i know they're up in that neck of the woods but yeah i don't know if anyone actually lives in wilmette or is from i would assume somebody is from wilmette but um what's kind of cool about that too is uh i like how they're they're called wilmette and that's also where fallout boy is from mm-hmm. They're from Wilmette, I'm pretty sure. Um, so it's kind of cool that there's this uh, there's this new generation of pop punk with the name of the town that Fall Out Boy is, is from, you know? So it's like a pop punk emo thing to do. Like, yeah, uh, like a- Ann Arbor and all, just like names True. of towns. You know, yeah. Like. Yeah. Why not? I mean, maybe I should start a band called uh, Bradley or Kankakee or or Mantino <laughs> the the towns that I live in and give that a whirl and maybe maybe it'll have something for me I don't know yeah. most actually probably what'll happen is people won't be able to they'll be like how do you say I mean they'd be able to pronounce Bradley but like the other ones Bourbon A <laughs> right Kankakee would <laughs> be, be a hard like one. yeah they'd be like how do you say can you know and then with Bourbon A, everyone, uh, it's obviously a French name, so everyone always mm. butchers it, and they think it's like Bourbonis or Bourbonaise or, you know, like <laughs> Illinois. You well, know, then on top of, of it, you got Jacques Lamont. <laughs> yeah, and people butcher the, the Jacques part, too, you know. On the Jacques. on the radio, <laughs> yeah, see, there's, there's Jacques, 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 uh yeah i i just go jackie you know i just could go on and on with that but uh i i thought <clears throat> i thought choosing the most popular like male french name would actually work but most people don't know it which i'm surprised because it's like the most generic male french name out there besides pierre mm. of course yeah. you know but. might have been a little bit easier yeah, maybe I, I feel like when s- people see it though, like because the first time I saw it, I was like, Jacques. Oh no, Jacques got it. Like, <laughs> Jacques, yeah, like Jacques Cousteau. You know, that's yeah. what everyone. Every I tell everyone, you know, my name is Jacques, and they're like, oh, like Jacques Cousteau, and I said, yeah, there you go. So as soon as like, they see it and hear it, they're like, oh, I got it. Mm-hmm. No, I got it. Yeah, he's like <laughs> the most. He's like the most famous Jacques, probably. <laughs> what about so. like? Uh, what about labels? I know that like when I was growing up, like you were kind of like attached to like your favorite labels, uh, yeah. whether it be, you know, Tooth and Nail or Victory or Drive Through. Um, what do you feel about? Do you feel like labels, people see them still that way today or no? Um, I don't know. I I kind of wonder. I almost feel like to give I, I when when you ask me that, I um, the first thing I thought of was I need to interview people from that age range when those labels started. You know, like mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think, P- Pure Noise or Rise Records. I think they started around the same time. One of them started around 2009. I can't remember which, um, mm-hmm. but I almost feel like I need to talk to people that are a little bit younger than me, and now that they're a little older, be like. Okay, so how do you are are you like fully in love with this <laughs> with this mm. label and and everything they put out? Um, I definitely 
it, I don't think it, it's not in the same way. It's not in the same vein. Um, because I think what really for, you know, tooth and nail and, and drive through and victory and, and those labels, I think for our generation, I think was a little different just because we had the, the comps, you know, the compilation mm. CDs. And yes. I think, I think that was a big push on why people became obsessed with certain labels. Like to this day, people are just so obsessed with the nostalgia of drive through records. Like they're just, and I don't blame them. Like so many amazing bands came from that label, just like victory. Yeah. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with it. And of course now in this modern day and age, we have Spotify playlists or Apple music playlists or, you yeah. know, so there's no comps, but there's, there's playlists, and obviously record labels do have their own playlists, but I, I don't like. I, I guess I haven't done enough like research or information to see if people are are attached to a certain label or not. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and and the thing is, there's so just like there's so many more bands now, there's so many more record labels now too. Mm -hmm. um, every day, I'm learning about a new record label. That yeah, never... I'm actually keeping a, a spreadsheet of, of them and I'm like, holy crap, like some of these larger pop punk bands and even other bands are are on these were, were on these teeny tiny labels or. Yeah. In fact, a lot of them are moving to like just doing either doing it themselves or staying on the smaller labels. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting how with the way technology is and the way the music industry is now that there are so many labels popping up and, and starting starting up, not to discredit you or anything like that, because I know that's what you're no. doing, but even though uh, a band has everything they need at their fingertips pretty much without yeah. a label, somehow there's still a need for a label. Yeah. And it's uh, that's something I'm still fascinated with to know. You know, I, I almost feel like it's not so much about... Maybe it's not so much about a money thing. Maybe it's just having that, hey, we're on such and such a label and just mm -hmm. being able to say that. I don't know. But also probably Almost another like reason. knighted. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, when you think about physical copies of music, I mean, record sales continue to climb, vinyl record sales. Yeah. And so maybe that's why these these labels are popping up because they see that opportunity, you know. Um, even if it is with a small DIY band, if you can provide vinyl for them, their fans are probably going to be stoked. Mm. You know, if it's a if it's a good release, I mean, that that people they love vinyl and myself included. I mean, I think it's just. Um, Maybe that's why. I don't know. <laughs> no. But but yeah, I'm I'm curious. Um I have the same curiosity as you do. Um if if uh people will be like, Oh, Rise Records is my favorite or yeah. Pure Noise is just or my hopeless favorite. Or fearless or, or whatever, yeah. Right. Yeah, Hopeless and Fearless have both been around for quite a long time now. I mean, like I said, I Pure Noise or, or Rise Records have been around for about ten. Um yeah. So they're they're starting to to get some age on them. Um, another great 
small label is uh, Bad Time Records. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Mutant Leak Records here in Mutant Chicago, nice, yeah. which is in what Will Met Will Met is on. Um, mm-hmm. You've got, I mean, there's there's so many. <laughs> there's a bunch of them. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, I know there's there's a bunch popping up, especially I guess especially now when people's got a lot of time on their hands or they're forced to stay home. Um, I don't know if you, I don't know if we got into it a lot in the last podcast, and I talk about it quite a bit in this stupid podcast, but like my whole idea behind it is like these, these artists aren't making like hardly anything. And even when they're decent, like it's hard to make, it's just hard to make money, hard to be a band. And, uh, I just, you know, you see the rise of kind of like, I hate to call it this, but it's like in the influencers or whatever else, uh, they're doing. And I just feel like a band could fit into that and not be stupid in such a beautiful way. Like, I don't know if you remember it, but like in the early 2000s when Blink-182 was still, you know, the the trio uh, that they were, and they had on their website, they had tons of videos and stuff of them just doing stupid crap or, you know, back, like behind the scenes recording or whatever, whatever it was they were doing, you know? And even their music videos were just them being silly and fun and not like, I don't know, every other music video nowadays, if you look at any band, <laughs> it's like, you mm-hmm. know, them lacklusterly playing <laughs> but anyway like my idea of the label is kind of a lot like and i know i mentioned him before is like linus tech tips to where he has yeah you know, i know i have it written down here how many channels does he have uh there's linus tech ticks tech t- tech quickies short <clears throat> circuit carpool critics channel super fun tech linked Linus cat tips, <laughs> like just, just oh my gosh. a silly amount of stuff like that. And I really feel like a, a record label could work really well like that to where um, they could kind of jump into the video sphere, help these artists like promote and do content for themselves, whether it be like something silly and fun that they do. And you could have sponsor spots at the beginning and end of it, like in all these Linus uh, videos, they could, you know, if they're doing something fun, silly that they're going to you know, record themselves doing, uh, there could be like a sponsorship for just that video. Obviously on YouTube, there's AdSense and YouTube premium pays and channel memberships and super chats. And then you can move to Twitch, Twitch, you know, if, whether you do live shows or whatever you do on there. Um, there's just there's a myriad of different ways that you can monetize your band. And I feel like that they're they're either scared to do it or they don't know how to do it. And that's what I kind of, that's what I want to do. And th- none of these labels, like, in fact, like, like, like I've been researching all these labels. None of these labels are doing hardly any of this. Uh, a lot of bands right now are doing kind of like, we're going to set up a live show and we're going to have you pay to watch our live show, which is cool. I'm not sure if I'm completely into that, but uh, maybe not seeing a show for so long, maybe you would be. Um, I, w- I would think and- so. Because, I mean, sure, there's some drive-through or, or drive-in shows happening here and there, but... It's mm-hmm. only in certain parts of the country. I mean, what about exactly. everybody else around the world, you know? So mm-hmm. it's kind of like, well, this is the best we can do at this point, you know? <laughs> it's yeah. kind of like what that what that is, I feel like. You know, it's like, this is the best we can do, so this is what we're going to do. Yeah. I mean, and, and at least they're doing that. At least you can go watch a live stream of, of mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, I just saw the main announced yeah. they're going to do uh, like a special Halloween live stream. And so is uh, Wonder Years. They're doing Blink-182 
And mm-hmm. then they're also going to be playing their own stuff as well. So um, I thought that was cool. Um, at least they're like, yeah, that's, that's, at least they're kind of like doing more than just like it's just us basically at practice. So yeah. like, I like it. I, it's a great idea, but I feel like it's only they've only done it because of the situation we're in. Mm-hmm. And not taken, not taken advantage of like all of these amazing ways that they can monetize their band. Because again, with this Linus Tech Tip guys, he has like 25, 30 people that work for him. And they have this giant production area. And he's just doing YouTube. Like he's just doing tech stuff on YouTube. I mean, like it's fun to watch ish. But I feel like a band, if you could get the fans to watch it, uh, he was saying that point five percent of like his subscribers are what pay for most of the bills and so like once you get to that point i feel like that would be that would be great and that's kind of where i'm kind of that's what i want to try to do and i want to try to find a band that's kind of like like a blink 182 ish i know that's kind of a the biggest band you know biggest pop punk band but uh you know a big blink 182 ish band to where like they could have they have a, a range of the music they can do they could be serious they could be completely stupid uh, and have a fun time. They could shoot videos and doing just whatever they want to do. And I really think that that is the way to go in the future. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen I haven't seen the label do that yet. And I'm scared. Like uh, I'm scared of trying to ask artists to do that. Do you think that mm-hmm. they would? Do you think that like bands and artists would not be willing to do something like this? Well, it's. Like anything else, it's it's having the the balance between having that content, but also spending time creating your music too, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's a bad idea. Um, it's almost like kind of what it makes me think of. It's kind of like moving your own little um, media company in house, you know, mm-hmm. um, to where like instead of going to alternative press and they. Or, or let's say alternative press comes to you and they say, "Hey, we want, um, you know, your your band, awesome as as fuck is their name. We want, <laughs> you know, we want AF or ASF or whatever, you know, we want uh, them to show us what it's like cooking in their kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, cooking a pizza, let's say, <laughs> and um, so instead of that being released on alternative press and all their stuff like that would be something that you would do right yeah. on your you know um and like on and their we, on their specific channels yeah yeah on well on the labels specific or on the on the label specific channels or on the the bands. probably a little bit of both a yeah. little bit of both okay <clears throat> um which which also reminds me speaking of cooking and bands um there are some bands that are creating content on twitch i have seen more Mm -hmm. and more bands doing that with the pandemic one of them being uh sleep on it um i think that they might have even done this before the pandemic but i know during the pandemic um they have all kinds of different little like shows that they do i know they do a cooking one or at least Mm -hmm. they were for quite a while earlier this year it was like once a week they would cook a, a certain dish, you know, like a certain mm-hmm. meal, and they would do it live on Twitch. Um, and then for a while there, they were doing like top 10 lists of different bands in the scene. I know they did like 
best Mayday Parade songs and best Fall Out mm-hmm. Boy songs. And they did all these things on Twitch, and I thought that was cool. It's probably kind of similar to what, what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, like, that's a great idea. I think Twitch is kind of maybe for the food thing it's all right for, but like mm-hmm. to any top 10 list or something like that would definitely live a lot better on YouTube because then you'd get some evergreen content from it. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, you could get AdSense once you've kind of built up enough, you know, watch time or whatever. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what I want to do. And mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, I'm, you know, I'm looking for a good band, which is it's just really hard to find a decent one that's all not already like taken up because I feel like even some of these middle ground labels are just like snatching these bands, whether or not they're probably giving them anything other than maybe doing like pressing their their disc for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm just trying to convince them. What would you suggest for me to to try to convince them to, to go with something like this? Um, You know, I'm I feel like I, pop punk people or punk rock people they sense BS and they're like, I don't want to deal with that. You know, like more than like a pop person or or an artist, you know, singer songwriter would. Yeah. I mean, it could almost work for any genre. It's really, it's a good question. It's a good question. I'm just trying to think of the best way to answer it. Um, I don't know how you would convince them, but I I think more and more, I think more and more bands are obviously realizing it's, it's, it's important to have a presence online. I mean, that's, that's been an important thing for, several years now since the Mm. 2000s you know um it's been it's always been like you gotta have a presence online you know and now it's even more so um so now if they don't have it online they don't have it at all so right exactly um because you know the more followers you have yada 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 you know Mm -hmm. um so i i I don't know what kind of convincing you would have to do, but I am <laughs> almost certain there's a band out there that would be interested in mm. something like that um, instead of. It, but so, would you literally just focus on that for your label, or what would be the the music part of it? Well, s- well, since I'm like a producer, mixer, engineer, and everything else, uh, I'd probably be at the very at the very least be able to be helping them and doing all of the above with the producing of music and, and recording it and mixing it. Um, if they wanted to use someone else, that might be like, you know, a different conversation, uh, monetary wise, but, um, I definitely handle them recording stuff. And I think we'll probably be focused more on like a single kind of aspect, especially at the beginning, just put out a single once a month, uh, focus on releasing those, especially since Spotify is a lot better off. Like, you're going to get the, hit the algorithm a bit better in Spotify if you're releasing a single once a month, or at least I think the, the best would be like to every two weeks, but you know, once a month would just be easier. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, we just focus on that and we'd focus on building content, just a ton of different kinds of content and see what works. No, that's, I mean, that's definitely something that's, that's in needed and it's important. It's just finding that balance, like mm-hmm. just like life, <laughs> finding <laughs> that balance between all, that's what I'm constantly doing. My, my, uh, my therapist used to always use the spinning plates on the, uh, stick reference. Yeah, she's like, you gotta, you know, spin this plate, but you gotta go over here and spin this other one before it falls over, and then you go back to this other one, and then this one over here, and then mm-hmm. you know, you gotta keep all these plates spinning at the same time, and so that's that's almost like a, a band, you know, you gotta yeah. keep all those all those things spinning. You gotta constantly be putting out music, but then 
like you're wanting to focus on content. So, mm -hmm. and you constantly got to be putting out content to, mm -hmm. you know. And I think the music though, like is, uh, able to be like contentized, you know, to where you're like, okay, well, how about, you know, you, when you write a song once a week, uh, you can record like your process writing it or, you know, showing songs to people once a week saying, Hey, here, this, here's the songs that I wrote this week. What do you guys think? Kind of deal. And then like in that month, you pick one of them that you're going to record, you know, just, mm -hmm. just what you're doing is just needs to be, I don't know, just chronicled, <laughs> chronicled and yeah. mm -hmm. what's going on and just, you know, it's just more and more content out there. It's more and more opportunities for people to see it. More and more people opportunities for people to, people to engage in it. More opportunities for you to make money off of it. Yeah. No. I I think uh, I think it's a great idea. I think I think you'll f definitely find some type of of niche or uh, some way to streamline that. Mm -hmm. You know. That's why I want to work with one artist first, <laughs> and I want to jump well, in. Some of these smaller labels have so many bands. You're like, how do you survive? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, you gotta have uh, gotta have the guinea pig, as they say. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, definitely. Thanks, thanks for coming on. By the way, I mean it's it's awesome to be able to talk to somebody else in the sphere that's kind of like it's not exactly my age, but close closeish to my age. <laughs> that's that's you know doing something that I kind of feel like I'm dorky doing. It's kind of nice to see like other people doing it. So I'm like, okay, that's not just I don't, I don't know if I'm I'm sure you feel kind of like similar, but <laughs> like putting stuff oh, no, out there. I, like <laughs> I definitely do. And as I said, I'm I'm very flattered that you know you asked me to. Uh, to be on and and uh it's it's always always an honor to to talk to someone else who's yeah doing something similar so i i really appreciate really appreciate your support of the podcast it really means more than you know and i'm really glad that you enjoy it that much to not only listen to it but to ask me to be on your podcast so mm -hmm. and uh i definitely think there's a great i uh, idea or something great to come out of what you know, you're thinking of for your record label. So I, I wish you not, nothing but the best. And, and, um, if, uh, I can help, let me know. <laughs> well, thank you so much, man. Um, just, just being able to ask someone else that, you know, that knows a bit about the industry and it's not, you know, 12 years old. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's been around at least and knows how the world works. It's it's nice to see someone else, you know, putting some some of this stuff out in the world, and it's it's great stuff. I love anybody, you know. I'm gonna put all the links to to your podcast and to your uh, your merch down there. I'm gonna pick up one of your uh, your uh, slice of pizza pop uh, pop punk uh, uh, shirts, and I'm gonna be wearing it in a in a couple weeks as soon as I get Thanks, here. Thanks, man. So, Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. No problem, man. If uh, you ever get merch, I'm sure you'll be getting merch at some point. Let me know. I'll I'll definitely return the favor. Mm. I'll be sure to you know share this up once uh once it's out and everything nice i appreciate it man all right yeah, of course see you later all right take care man